Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Chapter 1, verse 1. The Bible says, The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, You Can Run, But You Can't Hide. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. I thank you for each person who's come here today, God, and we welcome you to this place. We gather together in your name, and we ask you now to be our teacher from your word, by your spirit, God. I pray that you would anoint me to say things that would honor you, that you would have us to hear today in Jesus' name. Amen. I love that expression, you can run, but you can't hide. Anybody know who made that saying popular in American culture? I'll give you a hint. It was a boxer, a great boxer. That's the greatest, but it, well, I didn't say the greatest boxer. It's a great boxer before Muhammad Ali. Um, it, it was the Brown Bomber. Joe Lewis said he can run, but he can't hide. And I want you to know that was true if you were fighting Joe Lewis, uh, and it's true if you are inside of God's kingdom. If I told you, man, I ought to try it right now, but I'm not going to. Um, at some point, it's going to happen. I, I pray God let it happen before I pass. Uh, that going to read the opening scripture, going to give the title of the message, and we're just going to go right into repenting on the altar. Oh, if I had my run meter I'd just start over here with Joyce. I work all the way to the back of the room, all the way back to Terry. i just put it on your neck and let the results be seen on the screen so nobody had to turn around and look at you. Um, running, standing, running, and just see how many people, how, how many of y'all know that if you stay uh, around God long enough, there, there's going to be times and have been times when you were running, backing up. Oh, not me, Pastor. I've, uh, okay. Uh, there, there's, there's, there's places for liars, but that's a different message for a different time. Um, I want you to follow along this morning as I read this story, why? Because we have these stories for our examples so we can learn from them, so we can grow from them. Because the same God that dealt with Jonah that way still deals with everyone the same way. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's unchanging. So we can learn these principles from God's Word. And I really want you to lock in because this is going to be fantastic. Look at somebody and say, get ready. Now, before I jump back into verse 1 and start, start teaching, tomorrow... Uh, literally today is the anniversary Sunday by Sunday. But because of, you know, there being leap year days and things like that, tomorrow, June 6th, is technically the 21st anniversary of the history of 
this church. We'll be a 21-year-old church tomorrow, and I thank God for allowing us to continue. If you study, if you looked at churches in America and found out how many churches lasted for 21 years in America, that is a small percentage. If you look at churches, the, how many pastors have stayed in the same pulpit for 21 years, you would find out that that's less than 5% of all pastors in the world. And here's something I can tell you on, 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 on the download, on the, on the secret tip here. It's got nothing to do with me. I could have been kicked out a thousand times. I could have quit a thousand times. I could have died four or five times. Um, I rolled down uh, a mountain, a waterfall, and, and came within inches of falling off the ledge. Um, I don't know why Seth doesn't like me to play that video, but I'll play it for you one day if you want to see it. Uh, my I was filming with one hand. I rolled down a waterfall 90 feet, uh, came to a cliff that was another 90 feet off it down to certain death. Um, me... Seth, Jake, and almost Dina. Why almost Dina? We've been seeing this waterfall. We were up in the mountains, and we've been seeing this waterfall. We couldn't see how to get to it. So finally one day, we said, before we leave, we're going to get to that waterfall. We parked and walked through the woods, came up on a giant man-made boulder about 10, 12 feet high with signs on it. Do not proceed past this point. Hikers have died on this cliff. Oh, we went. And, and, and I'm like, well, come on, we can climb over this. And we had to climb over unstable rock to get there. Uh, and my, my sister, being the wise one in the group, she said, y'all are crazy. We need to go back to the van right now. I'm like, well, I'll go. Y'all go back to the van. I can't blame my children for my lack of wisdom because they were young. And, I mean, this was 10 years ago. And so they were 8 and 10. And they're like, Dad, can we come with you? believe it yeah we're men on a mountain anyway i fell down that thing i got with inches of going over the rail i my phone was still running and and you can you can see and hear jake and seth and seth screaming dad hold on i'm coming <laughs> he was coming but he was gonna hit that same patch of slick rock i hit so i told him to stop and then, uh, wasn't the first lie I ever told to my kids, but it was a lie. Um, did you ever lie to your kids? Just me. Um, I said, I'm okay. I told them to stop. I said, the rock, slippery, I'm okay. Go back to Dina's car and just wait on me. Because uh, that was a lie. I wasn't okay. I'd torn up my back. Um, and... I had no idea how I was going to crawl back up that wet rock. And I just didn't want my two sons. They'd already watched their mother pass from cancer. I didn't want them seeing me go off the edge. Um, so when I say, uh, every, I, I hear lots of people say, oh, I could have died a few times. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've had some real brushes. Maybe you have too. Um, but being here in this one church, overseeing this one church where we started with uh, 16 adults um, 21 years later, it's humbling for me because I know I'm not worthy. Even the great apostle Paul said that his worthiness was not according to the letter of the law. I mean, if you hold somebody to the nitpickiness of everything, we all fail. That's why we need Jesus. Amen? Amen. But God has not allowed me to continue to be alive 
and to continue to pastor in this one church miraculously for 21 years now because of anything to do with me or because of the letter of the law. It's by the Spirit and the grace of God and by His divine providence that this has happened. And what I want to say is thank you to everyone who's been here to, to, to keep it going. Um, there have been times in my life, uh, emotionally, physically, um, very drained, very, very difficult patches for me over the last 21 years. Um, and God has brought faithful people around um, to, to do things um, that needed to be done. And so for everybody who ever came, attended one time, uh, and or been here for whatever length of time you've been here, I give God thanks for you. And I, pray, I hope that we'll keep loving each other and growing together in God's grace. Let's get into this. Uh, 21 years later. Man, when I think about, some of y'all not old enough to remember or think back 21 years. When I think about 21 years ago, whoo, I, I was, I was, how old am I now? 57, I was, so what was I then? 30, 30 I'm 58, so I was 37 and childless. We, we, we had been told we wouldn't be able to have kids, but, but Jake was in his mama's belly, and when we started this church, um, 21 years, a long time to do anything. I don't know how you did 30, Cedric. Most people didn't do 20 in the, in the military. Um, but I am thankful for the journey uh, that we are on, and I'm thankful for the opportunity to stand here in this place and to continue to do what God put in my heart to do as a young man. Um, I want to read the scripture and cause it to make sense. Um, and, and, and the Bible talks about Ezra and the Levites standing up on a platform of wood and reading the scripture and causing it to make sense. And I promise you today, if you'll seek to listen and to hear, God's going to make sense out of this. In verse 1 of Jonah chapter 1, the Bible says, The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Now, here's, here's one place where people make bad theology. They try to take a, a, a small verse passage of scripture and apply it directly to their own life when it may have been specific for someone else. Now, if someone asked me, does every verse in the Bible apply to Scott Becker? I would say yes. But if someone asked me, is, does every verse, because it applies to me, my need to learn, my need to understand God better, to understand how he dealt with other people, to understand if I want what others have, I got to do what they did to get it. And if I do what they did to get the bad, I got to not do that or I'll get the bad too. It applies in that capacity. But every verse does not literally apply to my specific situation. You say, well, I don't believe that. Okay, well, chew on this for a minute. Jesus told Judas to go and hang himself right away. You want specific King James verse? He looked at Judas, the betrayer, and he said, go and do it quickly. And he was talking to him about hanging himself. Now, I don't know how many of y'all think that God's message for you today is to go and hang yourself quickly, but it's not. Are you following me? That's, when you read something, you're like, well, if God told Jonah to do that specific thing. No, God told Paul uh, to, to go and minister to a certain group of people. He told Peter to go and minister to a different group of people. So we're going to see some things in here that God said specifically to Jonah, and we're going to learn how to apply those things to our life. Because here, here's the reality. Nobody in this room is the son of Amittai. Okay, so that, there's that right away. God said this to Jonah. 
It, is it true for us? It's absolutely true for us, but it, 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 may, it may have some variation in application, but what I want you to understand, get this, God had a plan for Jonah. Can we agree with that? God has a plan for you too. God has a plan for everyone. The wicked, the Bible said God created the wicked. And a day of evil. God, God cre created heaven and hell. God has a plan for everyone, whether you are saved, unsaved, following God closely, straying from God, front sliding or backsliding, God's got a plan for your life. Can you believe that? You ought to wake up every day with that in your mind. God has a plan for my life and get on with it. God has a plan for my life. And we are either working in concert with that plan or we are working in rebellion against that plan. And that's why Jesus prayed, not my will, but your will be done. That's why Jesus taught his disciples to pray, um, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When you get up in the morning, as you go throughout your day, and let's just talk about response. Because anybody can act a certain way. It's not how you react, it's how you react. I told you that before. Um, anybody can come in and look nice and friendly and fine in front of people, but when you get squeezed, the way you react often shows your need for growth. Anybody ever been there? I'm still there. Um, but you, we, we can all act a certain way, but we, we need to learn how to let God move and flow in our life. And the plan that God has for us, we can either say in that time of, of crisis moment, God, let me respond now on, in this earth the way you would have me to respond from your position in heaven. Because how, how many of y'all know if somebody says the wrong thing to you, you, you might, you, you might want to say something back. But that's not what God would want to hear in heaven. Amen? Understand this as, as it's done on, on earth and in heaven kind of thing. And it'll help you understand the plan that God has for your life. But God had a plan for Jonah's life. I want you to understand this. Jonah didn't like that plan at all. God had a plan. Jonah didn't like that plan. So Jonah ran. Now, you may have never said this. I've heard lots of people say it. They usually tell me this about their children um, because if they're in church, they, they don't mostly say that they're running from God. But I've had, had so many people tell me, uh, pray for my daughter, my son, my nephew, my mom, my dad, whoever. They're running from the Lord. Uh, we, we ought to set it in our minds and understand this. God is faster than we are. You can't outrun God. Nowhere you can go that he can't be. Or it already is. But Jonah didn't understand that yet. He didn't understand what Joe Lewis meant when he said you can run but you can't hide. And that is sure true. I mean, it was true for Joe Lewis in the ring. Uh, and it's certainly true for God throughout the whole earth. Look, look at verse 2. God told Jonah, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh, period. Now, I always tell you pay attention to the punctuation. Stop and pause Take the Bible in in bite-sized pieces so you can get it down in your spirit and digest it, understand it. Uh, pay attention to the punctuation and pause on it. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. I don't know of anything God could have said to a Jewish person, a Hebrew person, that would have hurt them more than hearing that. The get up part, Jonah been doing that. The obeying God part, Jonah had been doing that. 
But he didn't just say go to Nineveh. He said go to what? The great city of Nineveh. And let me just give you some backstory, some context without keeping you here too long. Nineveh was a hated city. It was, by, by most theologians' account, the largest city, bigger than Babylon at that time, the largest city on the earth. And it was the most hated city by God's people. Why? Because they came from Assyrians and they had done more vile and horrible and just amazingly wicked stuff. They ran plowshares. They didn't just kill God's people. They killed them and ran plowshares over them. They didn't just, I mean, they did all types of sick, twisted, evil things to God's people. They, they hated the Hebrews. The Hebrews hated them and God called that a great city. Get up and go to the great city. I read one theologian this week. He, he said this. He said, I, I, imagine if in 1950, after a, a, a person fleeing from the Holocaust in Germany, and God said, get up and go to that great country, Germany, and tell them to repent. You, you think that person's wanting them to repent? Now, this would be like somebody getting saved um, that, that had suffered through racism and oppression and, and had, had witnessed horrible things happen to their own family members. And God said, get up, African-American, and go to the Klan rally and minister to the Grand Wizard. <laughs> and Lane said, oh, no. Uh, this, this is how this hit Jonah. Um, how many of y'all know sometimes God will ask you to do stuff that hurts? How many of y'all know sometimes God will ask you to, uh, to, to do stuff that, that just, just makes you want to bang your head in the wall? Mm, keep living. You, you're going to find out. And, and, he, and he, why, why did he have to call it a great city? Think about this. Why, why would God tell a Hebrew that Nineveh is a great city? I wouldn't even, I mean, I don't want God telling me Mobile, Alabama is a great city. I mean, my sister would tell you Steamboat Rock, Iowa is a great city. Most of us couldn't find it on a map. But God said, go to this great city. I want you to hear this. It's going it's to sting. It's going it's to hit you in the mouth. What God calls great is great. What God values is valuable. What God loves should be loved. I'll give it to you in more of a, a biblical term. Love your enemies. See, we can quote that. We can read passages where Jesus told us that. But God's not likely uh, to tell anybody in this room to go to the city that has most oppressed your family that hates you the most, that you hate the most. But he did tell us love our enemies. Well, that's easy to read and say in 2022 when we really don't have to put it in practice. But, but I'm going to tell you this. Um, according to Oprah, this was years ago, Forsyth County, Georgia, the most racist county in America. That, that, that's... Oh, I got black people nodding their head. Yes. You think that's true, Deke? She did a show from there. 
How many of y'all think when Oprah took her 375-pound African-American self to Forsyth County, check it, that's factual. Uh, at that time, anyway, she goes up and down. Um, how many of y'all think she took security with her? Do you think she told her staff, we're going to that great county, Forsyth County, Georgia? No, no, they didn't. Uh, if, if, if I told some of y'all, we're we going to pick y'all up. Marie, uh, if, if, let, me, let me see, who, 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 can I, if, who can I pick on? If I, if I told Ken and Diane, we're going to relocate y'all to the south side of Chicago, right in the middle of all of it. How many of y'all know they'd stand out in the south side of Chicago? Flint, Michigan, Detroit, Baltimore, Charm City. We just put them in Charm City and see how they handle that. God told Jonah, man, get up and go to that great city and announce my judgment against it because I've seen how wicked its people are. So, so God told Jonah three things to do. And in this one verse, he said, get up, go to Nineveh, and announce my judgment. Now, I believe there's some application for us in this, in this passage today. I believe God wants us all to get up because most people have been sitting down for too long. Most people have just been doing nothing for too long. And so many times uh, God uh, used this phrase, get up, to, to kickstart something that he wanted to put his hands on. I believe God's got something for you to do in this life. I believe the reason why I'm still here 21 years later is because God's still got something for me to do. Here's the reality, and I've told haters this to, to begin with. I can't stay here one day longer than God wants me here. I, I, and, and, and you're fighting against it. I, I don't even remember who I was sharing it with this week. But how, how many of y'all know it's a biblical concept that's taken right out of the Word of God to, to say don't fight against it. If God ain't in it, it'll fail. It'll crumble and it'll stop. Uh, well, I'm thankful we're still going, and I, I, I'd like to send that message to every hater in America. Uh, but no matter how hard you work against God's plan, God's plan is going to happen, and God has something for us to do at this church as individuals together corporately. God's got a plan for your life, and most everything that happens scripturally or in the lives of anybody in the kingdom of God started with them obeying God to get going. Get going. When I meet people and I ask them, how are you doing? They're like, well, I'm just holding on. Holding on? That's not what God left you here for. I mean, I'm just waiting on Jesus. Uh, I get that in the mindset, but while you're here, God said, occupy until I come. Be busy about doing something. And God has continued to tell people this, this get up concept. Say, get up. I want you to hear in Genesis 13, God said to Abraham, get up. In Genesis 19, God said to Lot, get up. In Genesis 35, God said to Jacob, get up. In Deuteronomy 9, God said to Moses, get up. In Joshua 1, God said to Joshua, get up. In Judges 7, God said to Gideon, get up. In 1 Samuel 16, God said to Samuel, get up. In 1 Samuel 23, God said to David, get up. In 1 Kings 17, God said to Elijah, get up. In Jeremiah chapter 1, God said to Jeremiah to get up. In Ezekiel 3, God said to Ezekiel, get up. In Obadiah 1, God said to Obadiah, get up. In this chapter, God said to Jonah to get up. So if God was going to throw two words at you this morning, what might it be? Get up. Get up. Get up. See, here's the problem. Most people want to get up and walk away from what God has for them and think that they're following the Lord. 
Well, you know, I just believe. <laughs> Y'all not in, 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 in pastoral ministry. You may have not heard this one before. But, but I've heard this one uh, to, to the point where I should probably write a book about it, but I won't. Uh, it says, people have, somebody, I've heard so many people say, well, pastor, we just believe our season is up at Abundant Life. And we're going to move on. But we love everybody. And then three months later, they haven't been in church a lick. Or they're walking in bitterness. Um, pe- people uh, think, think they uh, walking away from something is following God. You, you walk toward what God has for you. you. You don't walk away from where God has you. The Bible says that he wants you to bloom where you're planted. I believe one reason the body of Christ is so fractured, fragmented, and uh, limited in power over the community is because of people constantly transferring from one church to the next. God said, bloom where you're planted. I know a little about planting. I was bivocational uh, in, land, in the lawn maintenance ministry for over a decade uh, as a pastor. And I can tell you for sure, you can transfer a plant. You can. You really can. You can, t- you can take a rose bush. Now, God said, bloom where you're planted. You can take a rose bush, dig it up, plant it in somebody else's yard, and it may survive. But it may not. If you don't dig it up the right way and you don't plant it the right way, hear me good. It won't survive. I promise you that. You can dig up a tree, plant it in somebody else's yard. It might survive and it might not. It might not even be the right soil you're trying to plant that tree or that bush in. It's not going to survive in the wrong soil. And if you damage it while pulling it up, it's certainly not going to survive. This is, this is people... Uh, my season is up. I had somebody tell me that one time. Not, it was hilarious because they'd been talking. Uh, they, they were talking about their marriage. Their marriage was coming to an end. And they're like, well, we just believe our marriage season is up. I thought, now nah, I've heard it all now. Covenant don't end. Can't your season not up? God, God got, got you. Listen, the Bible says if you're bound to a spouse, seek not to be loose. You are stuck in that. Your season can't be up. And I say that because some of y'all are sitting here thinking, mm, maybe I need to get up and leave my, uh, leave, leave my significant other. Well, first off, that's a horrible term that is, only came into play in this generation. Grandmama's generation didn't have significant others. They had husband or wife, and, and that was it. Listen. God was telling him to do something specific, and he didn't manipulate it for his own mindset. What he did was wrong, but at least he didn't try to pretend like he was doing something right while doing something wrong. Hear me good. You can't go anywhere or do anything until you follow these two words that God wants you to follow. Get up. When Jesus said... Follow me. You remember the story? You remember Jesus? Anybody remember Jesus? He went around telling people, follow me, follow me, follow me. If I walked out that, if I got ready to walk out that door, I said, I want you to follow me. I don't even have to say, get up. That's implied. You can't follow me out that door from where you're sitting. And it's time for the body of Christ to start getting active and not just sitting back waiting on God to do anything. God told Jonah to go to Nineveh. Now, I already told you why that hurt Jonah, but understand this. Jonah was a great prophet of God. 
He had been prophesying. He wasn't a coward. He wasn't scared to face people um, and, and declare hard truth in front of them. He had been prophesying during the same time Elisha was prophesying in a great time of adversity. He had faced people who were adverse to his message before. He wasn't concerned that Nineveh might be adverse to his message. Listen, he was concerned that Nineveh might hear God's warning and repent. Well, what's wrong with that? Now, you really think that that Holocaust survivor, if God said go to Germany and 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 preach to them, you really think He wants them to repent? You 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 really think uh, that that uh, Deacon Dixon wants to go back to his hometown in Alabama and get every Klansman in the city in the in the state to repent? I hope so. You know what I'm saying. See, Jonah had followed God and did what God told him to do, but this time was different. God said to go to Nineveh and hear me good. Jonah wasn't having it. Jonah wasn't having it. How does this apply to us? There are people in this room that have done things that God has told them to do. For sure. Done things that God told them to do. But when too much got to be too much, they said, nope. Drawing a line, right? Now, not too much in God's eyes, too much in their eyes. There are people in this room that have done things God told them to do that cost them, that put them in bad, difficult situations, that, that, that cost them relationships, finances, whatever. But be careful that you don't be like Jonah and say, I'll do this much, but no more. I'll go this far, but not another step. I will follow you but on my own terms. See, what was the problem this time? Nineveh. It was the people. Jonah was a racist. Jonah, Jonah, Jonah had a heart problem. He was angry, bitter. He was holding a grudge against people that he didn't even know. Let's see, here's the thing. May, what, if, what if your uh, big mama got attacked by a Puerto Rican in New York, stabbed and raped, left for dead, went into a coma for a year, God pulled her out of it, should she hate all Puerto Ricans for the rest of her life? Should you hate Puerto Ricans for what they did to Big Mama? Oh, I'm not even going to tie the rest of it together then. He wanted to serve God. As long as it fit his ideas, as long as he understood it. He was willing to do some things for God that cost him. But he was only willing to go as far as he wanted to go. He had the same mindset most, churches, most church members have today. Well, I do what I'm told as long as I agree with it. I follow along as long as it makes sense to me. There's no faith in any of that. There's no obedience in any of that. Listen, anybody can go the easy route, but you don't see God's people going the easy route. Think about it. Verse 3, but Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. Wow. When God tells you to do something, should you do it, yes or no? What if you don't want to do it? Do it anyway. What if it makes absolutely no sense to you 
and you feel horrible about it, do it anyway. Obedience is not determined. Uh, the Bible says there's no reward for loving the lovable. There's no reward for doing the easy. It, it's, it's when you love the unlovable, when you do the hard thing. Uh, that, that's what we need to rely on God for. God, God told him to do this thing, and, and he gets up and he moves in the opposite direction. That's what happens so many times when people get to the point where they're like, not again. Nope, 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 nope. Not, not, not going to happen. I've dealt with Rick Douglas's junk for too long. I ain't, well, let, let, it does, if he does it one more time, I say, it! It for us! I'm done with him! Tell him to pack up and go back to South Carolina. Rick's like, well, I love South Carolina. Can we go now? This is the mindset that the devil knows he can work with on God's people. I don't like it. I don't understand it. I don't think it's right. It's not fair. I don't, I don't, I, it makes no sense to me. Jonah had all that working in his mind. So what did he do? Well, he got up. He did. He got up. But he went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Now, God told him to do something that made him uncomfortable. He ran thinking he could flee from the presence of God. We'll look at that in a minute. Uh, anybody, anybody know anything specific about this seldom mentioned city in the Bible, Tarshish? Anybody, yeah, anybody know what it was commonly referred to by people on the planet in that day? They called it the end of the earth. Now, we got flat earthers in the world today, Kyrie Irving and a couple other people um, that just think that you can actually fall off the edge of the earth. I don't understand how people think that when we got images from outer space showing that the earth is round, when we've had people sail all the way around the earth and didn't fall off. But prior to great exploration, it was common, it was a common theory that if you sailed too far from where you were, you're going to fall off. Now, Tarshish was known commonly in that day as the end of the earth it was as far away you had to take a boat to get there and it was a long way from anywhere and so this is symbolic to us not just getting away people are like, i'm not just gonna get away i'm gonna get as far away from them as i can get see god told jonah to go east Guess what direction Tarshish was? Aha. See, this is human nature. This is human nature. God tells people to do something when it comes to enduring something that you don't want. See, he did not. He knew what would happen. He knew if he went and declared the word of the Lord in a city that somebody was going to repent. And he didn't want any of those people repenting. I just hope they get what they got coming to them. One day God's going to expose them and they're going to get what they got coming. That's an evil mindset. How about God do that to you? I'm so tired of cancel culture in this country. I'm so tired of seeing people just get blasted. Listen, nobody should be judged on their worst event in life. Are you hearing me? Nobody should be judged on a series of bad events in their life. How many of y'all know that your entire life is bigger than the worst decisions you ever made? See, Nancy Rich 
by all accounts, and, and I mean, we've never had a fight. We've never raised our voice at each other. We've never had a contrary moment in life. Yes or no? No? We've ne we never gone at each other. Uh, she just seems like a sweet Christian woman, been serving in the church 16, 17 years. I don't know how long it's been, long time. Um, always been faithful, front row sitter, serves in ministry, all that. But how many of y'all know, if I knew the five worst things about Nancy Rich, she's covering her face. I mean, would you want us to right now put your five most horrific things about your life on that? No. Common sense says that about everybody. But what's this current culture doing today? Canceling folk over what? <laughs> Listen, let me tell you something. Because this, this will hit home in a multiracial church. What was that, what was that lady's name? Um, Paula Dean. Paula Dean was asked, has she ever said the N-word? Well, she had one of two options at that point. One, one was to say yes, what was the other? To lie. It's the most common word in the American language. And guess who it's said predominantly by more than anybody else? For sure. So, she said, I don't like that word. I haven't used that word in decades. I was, I was familiarized with that word as a child of the South. I haven't said it in decades. And they pressed her again. Have you ever said it? She said, yes. They turned her TV show off. I'm like, I, 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 I would give all my money. If they could hold the person down that asked her that and say, have you ever said that word? <laughs> okay, well, let's cancel you for everything you've ever done. Now, I'm not saying you, that, that word should not be used by anybody. Rap singers, well, we've made that word our own. It shouldn't be anybody's own word. It's vulgar, don't use it. That's bottom line, no matter what your background is. But what I'm saying is we live in a day and an age where if you find somebody did one thing wrong in their life, cancel. Cancel. Now, I don't know who's right and who's wrong. And I don't, I don't, I mean, we got stuff going on right now. The largest church in, in North Florida has kicked its pastor out, its founding pastor that started with four families, have put a trespass warning on him, told him he's not allowed on the property, and they're suing him. That's, that's, that's big news. Now, here's the reality. He's going to have to do what every pastor that ever got exposed did. You think this guy, this guy's younger than me, taller than me, better looking than me, better speaker than me. You think he's just going to curl up in a ball and never preach again? No, he's going to do what all pastors do. He's going to look on the map and say, I think churches are growing in Atlanta. Might try, we might have to go to West Palm Beach. They, 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 but here's what they've done. Whatever, if he's guilty of everything they say he's guilty of it, I don't know. But does that discredit every good thing he ever did for God before? No. We got, we got pastors in this church that have been run out like that. What am I saying to you? Stop canceling people based on their bad decision. Whether it's one or a series of them. Jonah made a bad decision right here. Thank God God didn't cancel him out of Christian culture. God told him to go. 
told him to go to this place he didn't want to go. He didn't want people to repent. So when God said go to Nineveh, he said, that's it. I've been preaching all these years. I've did everything you told me to do, but this is it for me. I wonder what's, what's your that's it moment. What's your that's it moment? What's your I ain't going another step moment? What, what, listen, I've told people for years, if, if you're waiting on me, because here, here's what happens in current churches. The devil, the, the, the Bible says that, uh, that, that the devil's strategy is to attack the leader. Smite the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. Kill the head and the body will die. If, if you're waiting to find out something bad about me, let's go to lunch today. I'll tell you 15 things. You don't have to make up lies about me to discredit me. There's enough truth on there out there for me. But God didn't get rid of him just because he did something horrible, and he did do something horrible. God exposed his heart problem. God exposed his racism. God exposed the fact that he, he was uh, running and trying to hide. He had his, I'll do it, but I'll only do it so much. Here it is. You can run, but you can't hide, but here's what you can do. You can always find a way to get away from God. Look, look what the word says. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for guess where? The ends of the earth. Just so happened to be a bus ride leaving. Just so happened there was a plane flying, there was a boat going in exactly the opposite direction of where God told him. What a coincidence. No. The enemy will provide. We know God is uh, Jehovah Jireh, my what? Well, the devil will provide for you too. The wrong stuff. There's a great, great provision here for Jonah. Not only did there happen to be a boat sailing in the exact opposite direction, taking him as far away from God's plan as he could get, he bought a ticket. It's not a wealthy man. How in the world does Jonah have bus fare, boat fare to go to the other end of the world? He got a ticket, bought a ticket, went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Man, there's always a boat. You'll always find a way to get away from what God wants you to do. You can always find a ship. That'll carry you to, to where you want to be. And listen, make sure where you want to be is not in opposition to where God wants you to be. Just when you're thinking about running, that's going to be a way. That's going to be an open door. That's going to be a reason to jump. It's always a ship nearby. And listen, you, you, you'll be able to afford the fare. But hear me good, can you pay the price? Just because you can buy the ticket doesn't mean that's the price you want to pay. Because there's more to running away from God's plan for your life than the cost of the ticket. And we're going to see that in the next coming weeks as we look at this more and more. So Jonah ran. But guess what the Lord did? He tracked him down. He tracked him down. I remember the most shocking moment I've ever had in, in sports. Uh, shocking. I mean, they still play it and talk about how shocking it was. Bo Jackson um, is, by all accounts, the greatest athlete to ever live. Ever. 
Not only did he play two sports, he dominated two sports. Several people have played multiple sports. Only Bo Jackson has dominated multiple sports. Um, he was, in the same year, he led the NFL in rushing yards per carry, um, and he led off uh, with a home run in the baseball all-star game. This guy was a pro bowler in football and an all-star in baseball. He was the greatest athlete. He was bigger, stronger, and way faster than anybody uh, that he was playing against. When Bo Jackson was racing down the sidelines with no one between him and the goal line, you knew that was a touchdown. But what ended Bo Jackson's career was the same thing that messed up Jonah. There was finally somebody faster than him that tracked Bo, and they still play it on TV. You can look up. Bo Jackson got tracked down. It'll take you. He's racing down the sidelines. This guy had the angle on him. Let's don't kid yourself. He didn't just outrun him. Uh, but he caught him from behind and grabbed his leg and ripped his leg out of his hip socket and put, put it into his career. What am I telling you? You might have a clever plan for getting away from God. You might be able to afford to pay the bus fare to go. But can you pay the real price that it's going to cost you? God's going to track you down just like he tracked Jonah down. Jonah thought he was going to go to the ends of the earth. God said go east. He went west. He's trying to outrun the Lord. Why does it say? He was hoping to escape from the Lord. Now, where it says hoping, was there any chance? No, there was no chance. But he was hoping. How many of y'all have had kids and they've had some wild, crazy, lunatic idea and you tried to tell them, no, you're not about to do that. And they're like, well, I think it could work. And you're like, that's not going to work. But they think it can. You know it's not going to, but they're hoping that it's going to work. Is it going to work? No. Hoping to get away from the Lord, that, 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 that hope carries no weight because you can't outrun God. Uh, he, he should have heard what the psalmist said. See, we've got the advantage of having all of God's words in this one book. Jonah didn't have that advantage. See, we can, we can read, look at it on the screen, Psalm 139, verse 7. The psalmist said, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? Now, these are rhetorical questions. A rhetorical question is a question asked when the answer is obvious or implied by the speaker. When your mama says, do you want me to knock your head off your shoulders? And then you look at her and say, well, I don't think you can, but give it a shot. When your mama says, do you think I got this old by being stupid? Don't tell her your answer. That's a rhetorical question. The psalmist said, where can I go? He knew the answer. Where can I flee from? He knew the answer. And he said in verse 8, if I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take wings of the morning and dwell in the utmost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. Your right hand shall hold me. There's nowhere you can go. You can go up to the highest mountain. You can go to the lowest part of the ocean. You can go to the end of the earth. God's still going to be there. And, here, and here's this. I'm going to close with this. I'm not even going to go. I've got... Uh, What's the last verse on the notes? Scroll down to the, don't put it on there, just tell me. 21, 21. I'm on verse 4. 
I got 17 more verses to cover, but I'm not going to stay here and do that this whole time. But I want you to know, uh, whenever you think you're going to outrun God, you're not. He's already going to be there. And here is something we can close and put a pin on this. After all that running, after all that disobeying, after all that fussing and fuming, after all that anger, how could God call Nineveh a great city? Nineveh's the worst city in the world. Nineveh hates God's people. Jonah thought his cause was righteous and God was unholy. Sound like church folk. Jonah felt he was right and God was wrong. Why should I prophesy to the people that hate us the most? They might repent. And get, that was Jonah's biggest fear, that they might repent and get saved. After all that fuss and fuming kicking and everything we're going to see next week in chapter 1, guess what? Still had to do it. He still had to do it. You can fuss, fume, kick, and argue. You, you, you can threaten to stomp off. You, 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 you can stir up all the hornet's nest you want to stir up. But you're still going to have to do what God said. I've told y'all before, uh, I, had a, I, had a, uh, I had a violent stepfather, mistreated me and my sister horribly. And if I didn't do what I was told, there was physical repercussions that were illegal that I had to face. Sometimes I didn't care. You know, after you've been beat so many times, sometimes you're just like, yes, you know, get it over with. You're going to beat me if I do it or don't. But he told me something in a moment of clarity. I've shared it with you guys before, and, and he was dead on. He was spot on. He said, boy, with all that whining, arguing, and fussing, you work harder at getting out of work than the energy it'd take you just to do the work. And I want you to know, child of God, what God wants you to do, you can fuss and fight against. You can argue and complain about it. You can build your case as to why you shouldn't have to be the one to do it. You can spend money trying to get away from God. Time and effort. But you're still going to have to do what God said. I'm so thankful my kids learned that in an early lesson. I've talked a lot in, in, in my kids' lifetimes about discipline and, and spanking my kids. I'm, I haven't spanked my kids in, in years and years and years. My kids, they were, they were easy to deal with. I, some of y'all got really strong-willed kids that just drive you crazy. I feel bad for you. My kids have strong determination, but they, they, they didn't have a stronger will than me. And when they were young and they needed to be spanked, they learned early. May as well do it. Because dad's not going to let it go. If I told them they had to take out the trash... If they pitched a fit about it, number one, they were they were going they were going to get spanked for for uh, talking to me in an inappropriate tone. See, I, I heard enough good good teaching from the ghetto as a child. I I, uh, I was able to take that into good parenting. I'm not even going to tell you who said it, but it was a comedian who said, "Boy, you better take that bass out your voice when you're talking to me." I'm thankful that my kids learned early. He's not going to let it go. Because I'm not. If I tell him to do it, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stand on that. But let me tell you somebody who's even more determined than I am. Who's more consistent than I am. 
who sticks to his plan more than I do. The true and the living God. And all the running, all the fighting, all the fussing, all the, all the carrying on, all the shenanigans in the world. Not going to get you away from God. It's not going to allow you to not do what God has called you to do. I'm going to read one more verse and we'll be done. Verse 4 says, but the Lord. Now, if you've been in, in church any length of time, when somebody says, but God, is that usually something good news that's coming? Yes. Somebody, the typical use of but God is that I, I, I was, I was uh, having this hardship, but God. I thought I was down and out, but God. Well, but God can come in different ways. Jonah thought, I'm on the boat. Ha-ha! <laughs> Head west. All that's behind me. I, I got you in my rear view mirror. I made it. We pulled out of the harbor. I can't even see that city anymore. On my way to freedom. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Hear me and I'm done. You can resist what God wants for your life. You can find a way to temporarily think that you're getting away from God. But whatever you use as a vehicle to do that, God's going to tear it up. God's going to tear it up. God's going to wreck your ship. And it's going to hurt everybody on that ship. And it's going to have some serious repercussions. So what am I telling you? Do the right thing. Do what God would have you to do. Save all that whining and fussing for somebody else. I don't understand it, God, but I'll do it. Wow. That's real obedience. I'd rather not, but I'm going to do it anyway. That's real obedience. I don't want to do it. Nevertheless, what Jesus say? Not my will, but yours be done. Sometimes following God is painful. Sometimes God asks you to do things that don't make sense. Sometimes God asks you to do things that cut against every fabric inside you. I'll close with this. Are you willing to keep following him in the midst of all those contradictions? I hope you will. Oh, you can find a ship. You can find a way to get away. But verse 4 is coming. And I hope you'll avoid verse 4 in your life. Come back next week. Study it out this week. We'll talk about it again next week if God gives me the liberty to. And we'll see even greater reasons why. You ought to just do it up front. You're going to have to do it anyway. So let's get on with it. I hope you'll get up and do everything God put in your heart to do. Start praying. Start reading your Bible. Stop falling in the same traps you're falling in all the time. Wake up. Our time is limited. Let's do everything that God put us together to do. Let's accomplish every goal that God put in our heart to accomplish. Let's be the people of God on Georgetown Drive 
And let's minister to this community and to the world effectively as long as God gives us breath. Because fussing, fighting, and looking for a boat to take you in the opposite direction has never ended good in the history of God's kingdom. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. God, I pray that you'd help us to love you more than ourselves, help us to follow you more than ourselves, help us to obey you even when it doesn't make sense to us. We agree that you are right in all your ways. We understand that your ways are higher than our ways, and sometimes they're past finding out. So, God, I pray that you would give us a spirit of obedience and an urgency that says, I will follow Christ in everything I do. Thank you, God, for sending your son to die for us. I pray, Lord, that you would let us love you and love each other as you've commanded us to. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast and visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church, loving God, loving people.